Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Scaredy Cat, a true crime podcast for cat people, non-cat people, and everyone in between. I guess you could say that I would be a non-cat person, maybe an in-between cat person, partly because I am allergic to cats, uh, but I also don't trust them because I think they're mischievous and evil, but they can be sometimes cute. Did I mention I was allergic? My eyes will swell up. But anyway, my name is Katie and I have been obsessed with true crime since I watched an episode of Forensic Files at 10 o'clock at night when I wasn't supposed to, probably around 10 years old. And I remember hearing that ominous music that would shift from each scene and them just showing people that have been murdered. And I was like, this is my shit. Um, so from then on, I was like, I like this stuff. And then when I got to college and I would have to drive back and forth between where I lived and where I went to college, I would pop on a podcast to make the four hour drive go faster. And that hooked me even more. And I got really scared when I was driving. I'm already a bad driver. And it didn't help that I would look in my back seat to make sure that Ted Bundy was not in it. So with that being said, I wanted to do for my first episode a case that really piqued my interest in true crime, and that is John Benet Ramsey. Like I've mentioned before, today I'll be discussing the 1996 infamous murder of John Benet Ramsey, who was a child beauty queen who was found strangled in her family home in Boulder, Colorado. When I think of pageants, I always think of toddlers and tiaras, but I guess in this case, it's toddlers and tiaras plus the 90s with that big hair, that crazy makeup, but I guess minus Honey Boo Boo, who would have been not alive when this case happened. Actually, I wasn't alive either. This was in 1996. I was born in 97, so I didn't even remember this case, and I didn't even hear about it until I was maybe 12, 13 years old when I was in the grocery store with my mom and I'd see the magazines kind of where you would check out. And I just remember seeing her face plastered all over these magazines for every anniversary that happened. It was this beautiful girl with this beautiful hair, this blonde hair, and obviously a pageant queen. But that was when my interest kind of peaked. And as I've gotten older, I've been fascinated with this this case that still has remained unsolved. John Benet Ramsey was born on August 6, 1990, in Atlanta, Georgia, to parents John Bennett Ramsey and Patricia Patsy Ramsey. By the age of six years old, John Benet had won multiple pageant titles and was known for her trademark blonde hair, often styled in glamorous curls, and her beautiful bright smile. In 1995, John Benet was crowned Little Miss Colorado. Her other accomplishments include being crowned America's Royal Miss and National Tiny Miss. Friends of the Ramsey family described John Bonet as a happy girl who loved to sing, dance, and play dress-up. LaDonna Grigo, who was a child beauty pageant organizer in Thornton, Colorado, about 30 minutes outside of Boulder, described John Bonet as a strong competitor and that she really enjoyed being on stage. Miss Grigo also described JonBenet's character as she was like everyone's best friend, and even brought Barbie dolls to share with the other girls backstage at pageants. JonBenet's dad, John Bennett Ramsey, who she's named after, a combination of his first and middle name, is a successful multi-millionaire businessman who served as the president and CEO of a computer company called Access Graphics. 
Due to his status of being a wealthy businessman, he was quite well known in Boulder, Colorado. His net worth is believed to be estimated at around $6.4 million at the time of John Bonet's death. Patricia Patsy Ramsey, who was John's second wife, was a beauty queen herself and was Miss West Virginia 1977. She married John when she was just 23 years old in 1980, and they had their first child as a couple in 1987, a son named Burke, followed by his younger sister, John Bonet, in 1990. Burke and John Bonet also have three older half-siblings from their father's first marriage to Lucinda Ramsey. They include their half-brother, Andrew, and half-sisters, Melinda and Elizabeth, who sadly died in 1992 at the age of 22. The family lived in a five-bedroom, 7,000-square-foot home, which was purchased in November 1991 for $500,000. The address of the home is 749 15th Street, Boulder, Colorado. The house had four floors, including the main floor, the second floor where John Bonet and her brother's rooms were, along with a guest room and a playroom. On the top floor was where her parents' bedroom was, and lastly, the basement, which is where John Bonet's body was found brutally murdered. On the morning of December 26, 1996, at 5.30 a.m., Patsy woke up and headed downstairs to make herself a cup of coffee. Since it was quite early in the morning, the rest of the Ramsey family was still fast asleep as they had all attended a Christmas party the night before. While Patsy was making her way downstairs, something caught her eye. It was two pieces of paper tucked away on the back staircase leading to the kitchen. The pieces of paper turned out to be a handwritten letter, which was a ransom letter addressed to Mr. Ramsey. The letter stated that their daughter had been kidnapped and demanded for $118,000 for John Bonet's return. Keep in mind, $118,000 was a very specific and odd number. Here's an excerpt from the letter. Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your business, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed, and if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attache to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on the delivery. The letter goes on to say, any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You'll also be denied her remains for a proper burial. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police, FBI, etc., will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. The ransom letter ends with, Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It is up to you now, John. Victory. Sign SBTC. Even though the ransom note also explicitly demanded for the Ramseys to not contact police or FBI, Patsy calls 911 anyway. At 5.45 a.m., Patsy calls 911 and reports that her daughter has been kidnapped. While speaking with the 911 operator, Patsy says, we have a kidnapping. Hurry, please. When the operator asks Patsy to explain the situation, Patsy replies with, we have a, there's a note left and our daughter is gone. The operator then asks, does it say who took her? Which Patsy replies with, what? To which the operator repeats the question. 
No, I don't know. It's there. There's a ransom note here, Patsy says. And then she continues to say, it says SBTC victory, please. In addition to calling the police, Patsy also called her close friends and family and alerted them of John Bonet's kidnapping in hopes that they would come and help search for John Bonet. Within minutes of placing the 911 call, at 5.52 a.m., officers Rick French and Kyle Veach arrived at the Ramsey home and conducted their first search of the residence. However, no evidence of forced entry was found. They, however, did not search the basement, which is where John Bonet's body would be eventually found. Between 6 and 8 a.m., three more police officers from the Boulder Police Department arrived at the Ramsey home. Officers White, Barklow, and Supervisor Richenbach. At 8.10 a.m., Detective Linda Arndt arrived at the Ramsey home as the first detective on the scene. Friends and family, such as Fleet and Priscilla White, whose Christmas party the family attended the night prior, John and Barbara Fernie, and the family's minister filed in and out of the Ramsey home. A forensics team was also called to the home. Since investigators believed that John Bonet had been kidnapped, only her bedroom on the second floor was closed off. No other areas of the home was properly secured, which caused contamination of the crime scene. At this time, John Bennett was working to get the money for the ransom. Hours had passed by, but there had been no contact from the kidnappers regarding instructions for drop-off. At 1 p.m., Detective Arndt suggested that John Bennett and family friend Fleet White search the house from top to bottom to see if anything looked suspicious. John and Fleet started in the basement and checked the spare bedroom, which had been latched closed. This is the basement that the police officers failed to search before when they first arrived in the morning. Officer French stated that they were looking for an exit route for the kidnapper to escape from and ruled out the need to search the spare bedroom. They found John Bonet with her body covered with a white blanket. Her mouth had been duct taped and her throat and wrists were wrapped with a nylon cord, which was then removed by investigators. John Bennett picked up his daughter's body and ran upstairs screaming. Since John Bonet's body had been moved from the crime scene and the basement was not closed off, much of the evidence had been tainted. At 10.45 p.m., the Boulder County Coroner's Office removed John Bonet's body from her home for an autopsy to be performed. John Bonet's death was ultimately ruled as a homicide. The autopsy revealed that John Bonet died from strangulation and a skull fracture. There had been no signs that John Bonet had been raped, however, sexual assault was not completely ruled out. The autopsy also revealed that John Bonet may have eaten some type of vegetable or fruit before she died, such as pineapple. In crime scene photos of the home, a bowl containing pineapple had been found. However, neither Patsy or John remembered feeding pineapples to John Bonet. Fingerprints belonging to Burke was found on the bowl of pineapples was reported by police. However, Patsy and John insisted that Burke was fast asleep the entire night. On December 28, 1996, the Ramsey family arrived at the Boulder Police Station and provided hair, blood, and handwriting samples to authorities at their own will. On December 31, 1996, John Bonet's funeral took place in Moretta, Georgia, where the six-year-old pageant queen was laid to rest next to her older sister, Elizabeth, who died in 1992. Now let's take a look at the evidence. Keep in mind, the Boulder Police Department has been highly criticized for failing to properly contain the crime scene. They allowed non-authorized people such as family and friends of the Ramsey to come in and out of the home and touch evidence. Not to mention, JonBenet's body had been moved from the basement from where she was found. The Boulder Police Department logged at least 1,000 pieces of evidence and interviewed 590 people. They logged all their findings in a 30,000-page case file according to the Denver Post. 
Now let's go over some of the pieces of evidence that was found um, within this crime. And for this segment, I'm going to turn off my podcasting voice and use my normal Katie voice so that you do not fall asleep. I hope I still have you. Um, But let's go over the ransom letter, which is probably the most famous piece of this case. The ransom letter, like I mentioned, was almost three pages long. And it was written on paper that was found inside of the home. So I believe it was, it belonged to Patsy, the mother. And the Sharpie pen used to write the, the letter was also found in the home. So this means that whoever kidnapped John Bonet wrote the letter within the home. And usually I feel like when you want to kidnap somebody, specifically have a plan to kidnap somebody for a ransom amount, you would have that letter pre-written and not just write it on the fly within the home of the person that you're taking. So the FBI actually estimated that it would take around 21 minutes to write this letter. And that is a lot of time to be in a house and kind of try to be like, like sneaky and like literally take a person. Um, but also within the letter, certain words were misspelled and these are like common english words such as business and possessions those were both misspelled however they managed to spell deviation and the word attache correctly i didn't know what attache meant so i looked it up it's i think it's basically like a briefcase of sorts um but that word especially at the end the e there's a little accent mark on top of it and they included that in the letter. So this puzzled investigators. I think they thought that the person who wrote the letter was trying to make it seem that they didn't have a higher education by misspelling business and possessions, but they managed to spell attache correctly. That's kind of weird. Um, Also within the letter, there were like quotes from movies such as Dirty, Harry, Ransom, and Speed. And another weird coincidence about the ransom letter is the actual amount that they wanted. $118,000 is not a lot of money to ask for considering Mr. Ramsey was a well-known multimillionaire businessman within Boulder, Colorado. So people know he has money and $118,000 is you could probably get a lot more if you knew that the person's uh, father was this very, very wealthy man. And $118,000 is almost the exact amount that John Ramsey, so John Bonet's father, received as a Christmas bonus that year. So that makes you think that somebody close to the family would have known that detail. Like, that's just not public information. Also, the last thing about the letter was what was the point of the letter if the person who kidnapped John Bonet killed her like what was the point they already killed her why would you need a ransom letter unless it was to distract the investigators and as i mentioned before john and patsy and burke ramsey they all submitted handwriting samples to the police and when comparing the letter the ransom letter between their respective handwriting um patsy and john's handwriting were ruled to be inconclusive i think more so patsy um, however, handwriting expert Sina Wong stated that the letter could have been written by Patsy as there were similarities in the way that they wrote the letter A. Um, and also experts stated that the letter almost had a maternal tone to it. So who the hell was John Bonet's mother? Patsy. And handwriting samples from other people was also taken. So from Burke, like I said before, um, as well as John Bonet's older half-siblings, Fleet White, who is their family friend, 
Bill McReynolds, who was the Santa Claus at that Christmas party they attended the night before, as well as their neighbor, Joe Barnhill. Okay, so now moving on to another piece of evidence, which was the cord that was found um, wrapped around John Bonet's neck and wrists. Um, obviously, this is what was used to strangle her, um, as that was one of the causes of death. Um, the cord was believed to be about 17 inches in length, and then it was tied at the end to a wooden stick, which was later revealed to be a broken paintbrush handle. Um, the, the handle is actually broken on both ends, and the remaining pieces of the broken paintbrush were found among Patsy's art supplies, the mother. And in addition to that, when JonBenet was found, she was wearing this white long sleeve shirt and it had a silver emblem on it. And as I mentioned before, there were no signs of rape. However, there was evidence that there was um, injury to her vaginal area. And on her underwear specifically, there had been stains of urine and several red stains, and those were believed to be blood. And with those, uh, DNA was also found in addition to her underwear, but also underneath her fingernails, but there had never been a positive match to any of the samples provided. Another piece of evidence that is worth noting is a footprint that was found next to John Bonet's body. It was a footprint of a hiking boot, and authorities couldn't match this footprint to anybody um, that they took samples from, and it didn't match anybody that they were looking at, friends or family. Um, and then they also found a broken window in the basement. And according to John Ramsey, this is John Benet's father, he had broken the window because he had locked himself out of the house. And investigators were unsure how long the window was actually broken for. And personally, if I was breaking into my house and I break my window, I get into my house, my first thought is, hmm, maybe I should fix this window so no one can come in my house that I wouldn't want in my house. Maybe get another set of keys. But I think it's weird how he like broke his window and kind of left it. Like it's not like a small little like gash. It's a giant hole in the window. Now that we've gone over the evidence, let's go ahead and go over the list of suspects. And investigators of this case truly believe that John Bonet's own parents were responsible for her death and let's start off with Patsy Ramsey the theory is that on Christmas of 1996 John Bonet had accidentally wet her bed and this is what caused Patsy to be enraged and threw John Bonet against the bathtub and that is ultimately what killed her and that is how this whole kidnapping ransom letter idea sprouted and like I said before, the ransom letter itself was very long. That's what stood out to investigators, how long it was, because ransom letters are usually very straight to the point. I have your daughter. I have your child. I want X amount of money. I will not kill her if you give me this money. Blah, blah, blah. And another thing is that the money that they requested in the letter was very specific, like $118,000. Like, why couldn't it be 120? Why did it have to be 118? And I also feel like they could have asked for more money, um, especially since John Bonet's father was a very wealthy man. And 
Also, the letter was written on paper that belonged to Patsy. Like, the notepad was found within the home, along with a Sharpie that was used to write the letter. So those are the the pieces of evidence that stack up against Patsy. In terms of John, what made him suspicious was that he was the one that found John Bonet's body. So Detective Arndt, at like 1 o'clock that day, told John to, you know, go around the house, see what looks like suspicious to you. And he made a beeline towards the basement in that spare bedroom. And that is ultimately where they found John Bonet. And isn't it odd that the first place that you lead investigators to in your search, you happen to stumble upon your daughter's body? And he also picked up her body, brought her upstairs, removed the tape from her mouth, wrapped her in another blanket, literally contaminating all evidence that was there before. Um... And the detective that was on the scene, Detective Arndt, said that she felt so unsettled by John that she, in that moment, felt like he was the murderer. And she remembered counting the bullets in her gun holster just in case she had to use it. And another detective at the scene said that someone else had overheard John placing a phone call to make arrangements for his family to be flown to Atlanta, Georgia that night. And... I feel like if I, like my kid was just murdered, I would want to stay in the same place that they were murdered, you know, you know, just to figure this out, like who, who the hell killed my kid, you know? So that is another suspicious fact about him. But John Bennett's father later said that, you know, the family lived there, like they're from Atlanta, Georgia. So like, that's where they felt most comfortable, but it is odd that he wanted to leave boulder in general when his daughter had just been murdered that day um but in 2008 dna testing did clear john and patsy of any wrongdoing so they were no longer um, viewed as suspects but many people still do just in the eyes of the law they were never they weren't viewed as suspects another theory is that burke ramsey was responsible for john benet's death he is john benet's older brother and in 1996 he was nine years old and the theory is that John Bonet and Burke were fighting over pineapple that night, and Burke had hit her on the head with a flashlight, which caused her to die. So the autopsy did reveal that there was a skull fracture that John Bonet encountered, but also that she had pineapple before she died. And people believe that his parents covered up the crime by saying that John Bonet had been kidnapped. However, in 2008, like his parents, Um, Burke was cleared of any suspicion as uh, DNA testing came out. So those three suspects definitely support the family theory, meaning that somebody in the Ramsey family had killed John Bonet. However, the other theory is that an intruder killed John Bonet, and that would support the evidence of the hiking boot imprint, the broken window, and also the DNA on John Bonet's clothing that had been found, but it couldn't be linked to any of the Ramsey family members. So starting off with a man named Gary Oliva, he was a suspect because in 1996, he was a known sex offender in Boulder, Colorado. Allegedly, Gary called his high school friend, Michael Vale, and said that he had hurt a little girl. And Michael said that he was very unsettled at Gary's ability to tie these knots that were very similar to the cord that was used to strangle John Bonet. 
and Gary had also attempted to choke his own mom with a telephone cord, so there are similarities within that regard. However, DNA testing did clear Gary of the murder. And then another suspect is Bill McReynolds. He portrayed Santa Claus at the Christmas party the Ramsey family attended the night before the murder, and allegedly as dressed as Santa Claus, he gave John Bonet a card that said, you will receive a very special gift after Christmas. And I guess if you were dressed as Santa Claus, like that isn't like a crazy thing, but that card and especially that message is very vague and almost, it's like a little creepy. And did he give that card to other children? Was it just John Bonet? But he was also um, considered a suspect. And then the another suspect was named John Mark Carr. In 2006, he was a former school teacher and he had confessed to killing John Bonet. And he had been arrested in Thailand, actually. He was in Thailand because he was wanted for charges in the US for child pornography. However, DNA also cleared him as a suspect. To this day, no one knows who killed John Bonet Ramsey. And it's been well over 20 years since her murder. As far as the rest of the family, Patsy sadly died in 2006 from ovarian cancer. She's buried right next to John Bonet. John Ramsey remarried a woman named Jan in 2011, and Burke Ramsey attended Purdue University and graduated in 2009 and is now a software engineer. That is it, everybody. That is the first episode of Scaredy Cat, a true crime podcast for cat people, non-cat people, and everyone in between. I guess after recording this episode, um, I'm going to go with like an in-between person. like, And that was my answer at the very beginning of this, but I don't know. I can't commit to the cats. Um, neither of the dogs. I'm allergic to both. I will literally die. Um, but I hope you guys all enjoyed the episode. This is definitely one of my favorite true crime um cases it is a very very sad case especially since this little girl was so tragically murdered and never got the chance to live out her life um and you should definitely go and follow my instagram i know that's a great segue at scaredy cat podcast on instagram that is s-c-a-r-e-d-y-k-a-t-p-o-d-c-a-s-t um it's a great time. I post some fun graphics on there and you can also leave a comment on my very first post on my Instagram because we're trying to figure out what to name the cat. Like there's a cat on my logo. It's this little purple cat. Um, I made him on Canva. I don't know if he's blind. I think he's just, he's just, he's just sitting there and he's just living life. So leave a comment on what you think his name should be. I've had a few submissions, um, there's Nerm, there's Cheeto, I think that has been a suggestion, and Grumpy Cat. Those are those are the front runners right now, and the only ones. So now I'm just rambling, but thanks everyone for listening. <laughs>